What is happening, everybody? I am Clay with Block Bites. Welcome to the Block Bites Daily Show. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, and there is a ton going on. We're going to cover it all today. What happened to the Bulls? Uh, Ethereum smart contracts got an upgrade that is pretty freaking awesome. Silvergate Bank. We're going to break that down because I feel like there's a lot of FUD and maybe not a lot there. So we're going to break it down for you, tell you everything you need to know. Uh, importantly, there is a war right now going on in crypto with the F, uh, with the SEC, with others that are teaming up. We need to do the same. We've got special guest Ellie Terrett here from Fox Business. We're going to have her share all the insights that she knows on what's actually going on. Uh, tons of alpha for you guys. Everything you need to get your day going. Uh, let's get the show started. What is happening? How are we doing, guys? Guys and gals? Great. How are you doing? I am doing very, very well. It is uh, a lovely day here in Florida. And, uh, I keep forgetting you're you in know. Florida. So jealous. Yeah, both both of us are. Yeah, oh, the uh, greatest state of the union. Oh, it's like 40 degrees and slushy and gross in New York today, so I am the... <laughs> I was I was gonna I was gonna say like you're like not only are you living through crypto winter but you're actually living through real winter. Real winter, yeah, and it's March first. Like we should be having some kind of you know sun at this point, a little bit warmer weather. But I think we've got a few more weeks of winter, sadly. Yeah, I think the, the I think they saw the groundhog, which nobody really talks about it anymore. But I'm pretty, or the ground saw, <laughs> the groundhog saw its shadow. Groundhog um, Day, it's my birthday, so it's like my favorite day of the year. No way, that's yeah. So he always disappoints me. He always gives us more winter. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I feel like he sees a shadow every every single time. So, uh, well, Ellie, it's amazing to have you here. Uh, you know, thank you for uh, you know agreeing to come on uh, on short notice. I know that you are super busy and deep in the trenches of all the things SEC, uh, XRP. You've got you know you've got a ton of stuff going on. So, if you could just give us a quick intro as to who you are, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into the meat of the of the show. Yeah, sure. So, hi, everybody. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Ellie, or I go by Eleanor on Twitter, Eleanor Terrett. I'm a journalist slash producer for Fox Business here in New York City. And I have been covering for the last year, uh, mainly the SEC and regulations and uh, crypto specifically, but more as it relates to kind of the regulatory side of things. And also the XRP, uh, I say XRP, the Ripple SEC case, um, which is very uh, hot on the list of topics right now because we are actually waiting for a resolution everything is in the hands of the judge and uh this case as many of you know will have big big implications on the industry which i'm sure we'll get into later clay when we talk about that but yeah it's yeah. a lot of stuff happening and I'm a busy girl but i love this space and and every day is a new adventure it it most certainly is uh and we just started the daily show about I don't know, like what, Corval, two weeks ago? Was that right? Yeah, I think so. Last week was our first week. Yep. So, uh, but with that said, what we've learned quickly is like there's there's never a lack of things to talk about, uh, which is is fantastic. So, um, so let's let's go ahead and jump into it, and uh, we're gonna do a super super brief uh, market overview, and really just kind of pick up where we left off and, and and look at what we were talking about the last three days. Uh, so we had the symmetrical triangle consolidation, and we were really waiting for the next move. Uh, 
Bulls had the chance to take control, and and I would say that they fumbled the bag. Uh, we had, you know, we wanted to break the 23,800 level. You can see we got one breakout there, one breakout there. They were both rejected. Uh, hoping Asia was going to step in uh, overnight, and they did not. And so now we have a, uh, at least on the four hour, we're seeing a bear flag start to form. Uh, you know, so increasingly bearish layout here for Bitcoin. Uh, this strong, so this strong sort of downward move and then tight consolidation, uh, you know, of, of sort of adjusted pricing on the lower levels, uh, bouncing between support and resistance. And so that's kind of what makes the the, the flag there, uh, which is a bearish uh, sentiment for Bitcoin. And as we've said all week, if we lose 23,300, it is a bad sign. And we are currently at 23,271. So things looking a bit dicey. Uh, my personal call yesterday was was that uh, Asia would step in and, and actually push us through the 22,800 level, and I was wrong. So uh, go ahead and uh, you know show me or not show me, uh, troll me as you as you see fit. Uh, but you know every day is a new day, and uh, you know for, for me personally, I'm obviously watching this 22,300 level uh, to see if we actually break down from here because we do. Uh, 21,500 is is absolutely in the sights. Well, you're 50-50 now, right? Your first I, call this week, you got it right. This one, not so there, much. There we go. John Doe not entered a, a 42X long because of me. So, hey, that's that's what it's all about. Uh, Amen. At least, the, the one thing I will say is at least have an opinion. And so that's uh, that's what we're here to do. So uh, so let's see how it plays out. The market is quite red. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll have to just keep an eye on it. But that's uh, that's what I'm seeing right now, and so I've uh, you know I've planned accordingly. Um, so let's uh, let's jump into inverse clay. Uh, let's jump into uh, you know the really really good stuff that we have here. So um, you know I think that it, it goes kind of without saying that if you've been following along, there is a war going on against crypto, uh, and and it's 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 on many fronts, it's in many forms, uh, but it it cannot be overlooked. And I think we as a crypto community have to understand, you know, what's happening, uh, why, and actually what can we do about it? How can we step in as the individual person uh, and try to support the industry that we love, believe in, and know is the future? Uh, and that is part of the reason we brought on Ellie from Fox Business, because she's literally on the ground, uh, you know, living this stuff every day, reporting on it. And, uh, and, and it's going to be an excellent, awesome guest to chat through this stuff. So... Um, you know, with that said, Ellie, I, I want to start with we got to start with the SEC, uh, obviously, because uh, the war is real. And I think it was yesterday that the SEC announced uh, additional members to, to, to their new uh, what I would call a potential death squad, maybe. Uh, and you know, an expansion to their already existing uh, oversight team, effectively, which originally had 22 people. And uh, so this, the, the crypto assets and cyber unit had 22 people. Now it has 50 uh, and they're adding more to that 50. And so to me, obviously, they're gearing up for, you know, additional opportunities to open you know, court cases to do all the things that that Gary has done up until this point. Uh, and it's you know, nothing surprises us now. So, uh, you know, what, what do you guys make of this? And, and, you know, Ellie, what are you hearing about kind of uh, this SEC move? Well, I think it makes sense, right? I mean, I they announced this ramp up of hiring last year. I remember we reported on it. Um, and it, it at the time, we we're like, okay, that makes sense because they really were, you know, we heard Gary Gensler saying all 
crypto, all uh, tokens are securities, the majority of tokens are securities. Um, and then that was 2022. And then 2023, we're seeing this flurry of, of enforcement cases from the SEC. So, you know, it's no wonder that they are ramping up their hiring. They need as much manpower as they can get to, you know, uh, bring these cases. And, and, you know, it's all lawyers, right? So they're all, this is legal stuff. They're, you know, going through tons and tons of documents. They're, you know, um, it's a process, right? And, and you need the manpower for that. So um, this really didn't surprise me when I when I saw this article coming out. But, um, you know, the SEC seems to be, even though everybody in the space, even, you know, Congress, other regulators say they are being too heavy handed, they just don't seem to be backing down, right? If anything, they're, they're ramping up their, uh, their ammunition. And I had a statement through yesterday from the SEC. I, I do reach out to them, um, you know, when we write a story about them, which seems to be, you know, pretty much every day at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, they they have been more responsive um, with me. And yesterday they sent me through a statement just um, about litigation and uh, and how they were looking forward to winning case or not even say winning. They were looking forward to additional decisions on court cases. I'll just read you the quote because um, I have it pulled up here, but. Um, they said, we're in active litigation in cases raising the application of our securities laws to crypto assets. Our enforcement division has been quite successful so far, and we look forward to additional court decisions on these issues. And that was in response to me saying, you know, what's your response to Gary Gensler saying everything aside from Bitcoin is, is a security. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you saw uh, Ripple GC, Stu Alderati, um, he had called Gensler out for saying, you know, if this is how he really feels, then that's a prejudgment. So right. he should recuse himself from, you know, voting on anything that has to do with whether crypto is, is a security or not, because he clearly has this prejudged bias. Um, they didn't address that in the response that they gave me. They just gave me that statement. But from that, you can see that they really are, you know, there's no stopping them. They are confident in their mission and they're going to keep going. And I think we're, we should be braced for more enforcement actions over the next few weeks for sure. Interesting. Do you think um, their aggression right now is because they're kind of behind the ball, like they're trying to catch up essentially? Because yeah, with these recent yeah, yeah. I do. and I think uh, I think FTX didn't help. Um, I mm -hmm. think they were kind of caught with their you know uh, what's the polite way of saying it caught with their hand in the cookie jar. I don't know. <laughs> kind of like you know they were caught like oh they were so caught off guard by that or you know. Some people will say, you know, that they were not caught off guard. They were working with FTX. They were having meetings with Sam Bankman-Fried, which we do know is true. Um, you know, we know he met with Gary. Whether they were, you know, whether there was any corruption there, you know, I'm not the one to say. I'm not a lawyer. Um, you know, there's conspiracy theories all over crypto Twitter, but um, you know, for sure they they missed it, right? If anything, yeah. they missed it, and they had meetings, and they didn't think to ask Sam, you know, mm -hmm. what are his compliance. Uh, strategy was because clearly he didn't have one. Um, yeah. So I think that, you know, kind of made them, you know, they were definitely embarrassed by that. I think now they they think, okay, we've really got to ramp this up now because we kind of look dumb. <laughs> we kind of yeah. missed this. And now the American public is hurting and, and we're responsible for them. But, you know, had they caught it earlier, we, you know, we might not be in the be in the situation today. Um, so I do think, yes, it's, it's, it's in response to, you know, something that happened and that something was FTX. Yeah, worst case scenario, they're they're corrupt. They were in the, some conspiracy. Best case scenario, they were just incompetent, or their approach, yeah, the I, slow I find, soft approach, was incompetent, right? 
I just find it so hard to believe, Corval, that you could you could meet with you know. I mean, like Bangman Sam was in Washington all the time, lobbying you know on behalf of of different legislation. Mm-hmm. Like you're the SEC. Like those are questions that weren't asked about FTX in these meetings. It just it makes very little sense to me. But what what is clear to me, and you can see it here in the articles, that you know they are doing this. They're ramping up this enforcement squad uh, to you know to to basically bolster cases against crypto, uh, which is you know very very concerning i think you know, overall uh we're going to talk about it sort of at the end of the segment like where is the light at the end of the tunnel because i think that there is light uh ellie i wanted to to, hit, to kind of hit you with this and this is you know i don't know whether you'll you'll have an opinion or not but uh hester pierce who's a, an sec commissioner and could potentially be next in line if there was some type of regime regime uh, regime change at the sec uh has been actually quite um publicly you know, uh, critical of, of how the SEC has handled, uh, you know, basically everything up to this point. Um, and, and, you know, enforcement actions aren't the way to write rules. And, and so it seems like she actually has a pretty good handle on this space uh, in terms of, you know, what the way that this should be going through Congress. Uh, do you do you know anything about her? Like, is this, you know, what like, what do you make of this? Yeah, so I actually met Hester at a dinner I was at in D.C. Nothing to do with crypto. It was actually about ESG. Uh, that was last April, and she was lovely. Um, you know, very down to earth. She's very approachable, and I'm sure you guys have seen her tweets where you know she said, "I'll be in Boston this weekend. If anybody wants to meet up and get coffee, or anybody wants to reach out, you know, here's my email. Let me know." So I think she's very approachable, which is not something you see every day, and not something you see a lot from from regulators, especially. They kind of make themselves unaccessible to the public. And I think Hester does a good job of breaking that mold. Um, she, I think she's a, she, she is very outnumbered at the SEC, right? I mean, her commissioners, her fellow commissioners, she's got, there's three Democrats on the, uh, on the commission and two Republicans. So she, you know, she tends to vote <clears throat> with the pro-crypto. Um, she kind of is outspoken against you know, the SEC in general, the way they do things. Um, you know, she never directly puts down her colleagues, of course, but you know, she's come out and said, I don't agree with the way this was done. Um, but I was talking to someone today about her, actually, um, someone who uh, has dealt with her, has, is uh, registered with the SEC and uh, has had meetings with her. And uh, he's just said, you know, she's kind of, um, she's just, I suppose outnumbered is the best way to say it. She's right. she, she's kind of overshadowed by this, uh, you know, behemoth that is the organization she works for, and, and there's so much, um, you know, bad taste and 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 uh, distaste towards them um, from the public that she, you know, kind of uh, is a small. She's she, is a small voice. It's, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like she's kind yeah, of yeah. Like, yeah. She's, she I mean, she's a, she's a she's a small <laughs> fish in a big pond. Exactly. Right now. That's exactly yes. what I was trying to say. Yeah. So she's you know she's trying to do great. She's trying to do good, and she is. Um, I think she's a great advocate, but you know she can only do so much. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, she's sure. got this organization that she that she is a part of, and these colleagues that don't agree with her. Um, but this stablecoin stuff that she has brought up, you know, I think that is that is important because right now there is confusion with you know how stable coins are going to be viewed right because gary said uh busd is a stable coin until paxis stopped minting it so yep. where does that leave you know companies that you know companies like circle companies like coinbase people who you know have stable coins people that issue them people that use them every day they really have become a, the backbone of crypto really right because you know it helps us not have to yeah. trade in and out of fiat currency when we you know trade cryptocurrency we can just use stable coins but um yeah, there, there is no industry without them. That's that's for exactly, certain. Exactly, exactly. So you know, you, you go after that, you're basically going after the, the spine of the industry. I feel 
Yep. Yeah. So she's, yeah, I, I think she's doing a great job. It's just hard to, you know, be a standout voice in this, in this uh, industry. Right. Well, given that the the SEC chair is appointed by the president and then confirmed by the Senate is is my understanding of how that how that goes down. So I I assume that uh, we're going to be dealing with uh, old Gary G, you know, for for at least the next two years, unless there's you know unless there's some I, I don't know why there would be a shift uh, at the top in this in this uh, strategy. So I think that he's probably here to stay, and I think that's probably uh, pretty apparent. Um, I wanted to ask you another question. So you put out this tweet. Uh, about INX Group, who has a token INX, and they are already in crypto. Uh, of all the of, of all the people who have registered with the SEC, I think they're probably the most real crypto company. Everything else looks like things that I really hadn't ever heard of, seen, uh, or or just straight up didn't matter. Uh, no offense to them, but that's kind of the way <laughs> I saw it. Uh, so, you know, did you get a chance to to talk to Alan and like to like 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 just break down here what the point of this tweet was? Yeah. So actually, it's funny you say that. So I talked to Alan right before I came on the podcast with you guys. Um, so I'll get into that in a second. But um, what I, the reason I asked the SEC which cryptos were registered, because I mean, Gary has said in the past, right, he said, I think before Congress, he also made a speech last year where he said, a handful of cryptocurrency companies, tokens um, are registered. So it is possible. And he was kind of touting that as a way of saying, you know, like you're behind the eight ball, you know, people are registered, you've just got to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was curious. And so I'd reached out to them asking this before and they hadn't gone back to me. And then <clears throat> they did get back to me and they gave me that list. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, the only ones I had ever really heard of were, um, were, uh, were INX, obviously. And then I'd heard of Sarah's coin. Um, but all the ones at the top were you know ones that registered as results of enforcement actions um, from jay clayton and i think a lot of them are now defunct a lot of them don't you know operate anymore so it kind of tells you what you need to know about you know right. what happens to companies you know what has happened to companies um once they've been forced to register but um so that was the reason i put that out i just thought it was interesting and i don't think anybody really knew who gary was referring to before so um, I did talk to Alan um, today, and he told me um, just a little bit about the process. I was curious, you know, they they were founded in 2017. Um, they um, it was kind of on the back of the ICO crackdown, right? Under Clayton, it was 2017, 2018. They were going after these ICOs. Um, he told me it took them the whole process took 950 days to complete. Um, wow. Yeah, and uh, it cost them about two to three million dollars in legal fees. And yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a lot of money, but you Amazing. Think, yeah. And you think, uh, I think Ripple has said by the end of their uh, battle with the SEC, they would have spent about $100 million on legal fees, but you know, they're, they're going the whole nine yards <laughs> um, oh fighting the SEC. So, you know, it's an expensive process and some of these companies aren't equipped, you know, first of all, with the, with the legal team, um, second of all, with the funds. You know, most of these crypto companies are startups and they're just, you know, trying to, you know, get bigger and they're trying to make money and they're trying to, you know, get a, a foothold in the industry. And it's right. not possible when you when you have these expensive processes that, you know, and frankly, at the end of the day, uh, you can have a meeting, as we've seen with, with Robin Hood, we saw this with the Winklevoss twins. You can have a meeting with Gary Gens or you can have a meeting with the SEC and come in and, and talk to them, right? That's Gary's thing. Come in and talk, come in and talk they'll still get you know 
they'll still get actions against them. Robin Hood right. got a subpoena in December, and they had a meeting with the SEC in October. Um, the Winklevoss twins, Gemini, uh, that's been that's been charged now by the SEC. They're, they're in a lawsuit, and you know it's kind of just the messaging is so. And I talked to Alan about this. He told me um, it's like the messaging is just so you know kind of it's just unfriendly. It's it's a little bit messed up that Gensler is saying nonchalantly, "Come in and talk. We're fine. Come in and register." But there is this whole process. It's expensive. It's time consuming, and you know, it might not do you any good at the end of the day. Yeah, three years, three three million dollars is not the kind of time that anybody in this innovative space that moves this quickly uh, is. It's just completely out of the scope of reality. Right. Um, I just want to mention one other thing too. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, so, if you register with the SEC, that's they oversee Regulation A's, right? And you'll see on the list of uh, things that I put up. There's the, that second list is people who filed Reg A forms, I believe, and. Um, there's a, and so I said, you know, that's the SEC oversees that. And he said, you know, the path of least resistance right now is kind of going the way where the SEC doesn't have oversight, which is for filing a regulation D form or a regulation S form, um, which are both not reviewable by the SEC. And that is, uh, you can only, I guess, do business with, um, sell to accredited investors. Oh, um, yeah. And that is what apparently uh, a few companies are trying to do because they know the Reg A path is is expensive and time consuming, like I said, and um, and Reg D and Reg S, you know, you, you you don't deal with the SEC. So people are literally avoiding the SEC by you know going this kind of back route. And, and at the end of the day, you don't want to just sell to accredited investors, right? If, yeah. you're, if you're a crypto company, you want it to be engaging with the general public, but you can't do that without coming head to head with the SEC. So I yeah. thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I mean, the rich get richer, right? That's like this is this is the this is the reason we are trying to create a new system in this country so everyone has somewhat of an equal opportunity to you know at least the potential to uh, access these investments. So, uh, yeah. Corval, go ahead, buddy. I was just gonna say, like, for those who don't know, like, what is it? What does it mean to be like an accredited investor? Isn't it like you have to have two hundred fifty thousand in like a what yeah. do you call it? You I forget. Account? Account. Is it one hundred fifty thousand? Uh, it's really 200k or 300k with with his spouse yeah. uh or working in the financial industry and then i'm sure you probably have to go through a rigorous a process to like do you know to become accredited is my although i think yeah. didn't robin hood you know how robin hood offers options they had like some kind of barrier to like access that feature on their app and it was like it was like some weak form of kyc it was like you can't not everyone can trade options you got to have like experience or like 10k in a margin account or something yeah it says to become a credit investor you must be you must have an average income of over 200,000 300,000 yeah. with a spouse or domestic partner or working in the financial industry god like i you know i'm nowhere near getting salary yeah. like that like gosh and and you know the american general public i'm sure is you know not either so that is quite a high bar and excludes quite a bit of the investing public talk it about a regulatory moat you know uh, that's right it, it most certainly does and even if you do make 200k you're still paying taxes you're not taking home you know that's not in the bank so it's uh so yeah i mean look this this uh kind of ruling by enforcement is is now become the standard practice and you know Corval, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see this CFTC uh, article about going after DeFi? I mean, really, like, the, the scary part is that this could be a war on two fronts. Like, it seems to me that the CFTC is trying to step in and and, and take these uh, uh, the, the oversight from the SEC and say this is more of our jurisdiction as a you know, derivatives regulator, which, in my opinion, may be a good thing. 
But uh, if if it's coming from both sides, I don't think that is a good thing. So what, Corval? What was your uh, what was your your feeling on this? So if you scroll down in this article, yeah. it's coming on like March twenty second when they're doing this, right? Yep. yep. Um. Yeah. So this is like kind of different, right? It's like the I don't know too much about the CFTC Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Yep. So like, yeah, it, two different forms of regulation. This just reminds me kind of like how like the U.S. system is like this mini headed hydra. You saw this, too, with like that recent COVID thing in China. Right. Like you have different departments that have completely different and overlapping jurisdictions and yeah. sometimes uh, completely differing opinions. It'd be interesting to see like what the CFTC comes away with this comes away with from this. Because I, I don't know the department's opinion, you know, are they coming after us to kill us or are they coming after to be like to just check it out? Because well, I mean, it does kind of like overlap. Yeah, I mean, one thing I do know is like they they oversee uh, you know like derivatives markets specifically, and so you know DeFi is now like that that kind of puts DeFi in the crosshairs more specifically. I think for the, the you know mm -hmm. the CFTC oversight. What what was the the only piece that was encouraging to me is at least they're bringing in Fireblocks, uh, Trail Bits, a couple of VC firms from this space, and uh, some some sort of blockchain intelligence firms to be on this panel. Like, like it seems like they're open to discussion. Yeah. Whereas it's not like you need to like you know the authoritative way of saying you just need to come to us, comply to what we want, and that's it. And so I was uh, I was at least happy to I, see that. I get the feeling that they'll have to be more open just because of how um, weird DeFi is. I mean, we've talked about this before, where a lot of like decentralized stuff is not truly decentralized, but there are a lot more layers between, uh, like the the true decentralization and like what we've got now right like it's gonna be a lot harder for an outside entity that's like unfamiliar with DeFi to kind of breach that like knowledge gap yeah i would say say so sorry <laughs> i was just gonna say the cftc they brought that case i think it was the first of its kind last year i would say it was the end of last year maybe september or october against the dow um oh what the name was but but they were the first ones to bring a case against uh, anything in DeFi, so I feel like maybe they're you know trying to latch on to this um, part of the of the blockchain crypto industry, whereas the SEC, you know, they're kind of focusing on the the security aspect of it. But yeah. maybe the CFTC is going after not going after, but but trying to get jurisdiction over DeFi specifically. That is my that is my take as well, Ellie. I think that's probably the right take, um, given kind of what they regulate for um, you know for for the current financial system. So. But with all that said, like, so, you know, I think we've pretty clearly stated that, that like, this is, this is, this is a big deal. Like this is the real deal. And we are at war truly as an industry, I think against, uh, you know, unfair regulation in the United States, but it seems like Congress is actually going to step in. So, the, so a new digital assets subcommittee of the, uh, within the house financial um, committee is going to schedule a hearing on March 9th, which is seven days from now, uh, you know, and, and I, I loved the, uh, the title. Um, so it's titled coincidence or coordinated the administration's attack on the digital asset ecosystem. So, um, clearly, you know, we need, we need someone to step in and try to help protect this space. And it seems like Congress is going to do that. Like Ellie, what's your, what's your take on this? Like, do you think that this is, you know, do you speak to Congress men and women about this kind of stuff as well? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So, um, last week, last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, we did a piece on, uh, the House Financial Services Committee and the Senate Banking Committee doing a coordinated effort to 
rein in the SEC, specifically Gensler, on his uh, his climate policy or the climate disclosure rule that they're going to be voting on soon. So um, the it, involved in that was uh, Senator Tim Scott, who you see in the article there, um, Bill Heisinga, and uh, Patrick McHenry, obviously, who is um, chair of the House Financial Services Committee. And he was the one who put together this uh, this kind of subcommittee on digital assets. And I believe it's run by, or it's going to be headed by French Hill. Um, he is a Republican congressman from Arkansas. Um, and they have that hearing, right? I think that hearing is coming up on March 9th. I, I think it's good. I think it's a great thing. Um, you know, last year we had Pat Toomey, who was the uh, ranking member on the Senate Banking Committee. He was kind of the crypto advocate, I would say. He was, he actually, Tim Scott, uh, Senator Tim Scott just uh, replaced Toomey um, as in that role of ranking member. Um, Toomey, I think Senator Scott is, he's crypto friendly. He's um, he's an advocate of the space, but I think Toomey really was kind of went above and beyond, was really a believer in crypto. Um, so you saw a lot of uh, activity coming from him, a lot of um, letters to Gensler's office, a lot of requests for hearings. Um, but there was never a subcommittee that was specifically like a digital asset um, focus. So I think this is great. Um, you know, it'll, uh, if anything, it'll, you know, hold, it'll make the SEC kind of be held accountable, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they could potentially ask Gensler to come up on the Hill for hearings, not that he would respond necessarily because he hasn't. Um, I think Tim Scott said that maybe even in this article, it's it's concerning that uh, that Gensler you know doesn't has, has never to, once appeared before Congress. Right, doesn't uh, doesn't respond to oversight. Um, right, you know I think that is that is you know a little alarming from someone in such a high position who holds so much power um, can't answer to the people who you know, basically give him his paycheck. <laughs> um, so right. so yeah, I mean I think this is a good thing. Um, you know. I think what really needs to be done and quickly is some kind of not well not quickly to not, not to rush it but just you know to start the process again there was you know there were bills last year there was like the stable coin bill there was some kind of um bill in uh the senate to, it was just like trying to come up with some kind of framework for crypto right like people in congress were interested in that and i think after ftx it kind of all just went quiet because mm -hmm. you know sam was involved and now uh, they're like, we don't want to, you know, make it seem like we're you know, favoring anybody. So I think the process is going to be slow and steady, um, but we need it, right? Like, obviously, the industry is, like, begging for it. So as quickly as possible is great, but not to rush it. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Good to hear Tim Scott is, a, a, I call it, crypto curious, it sounds like. Yeah. Yes, he is. Um, same with Heisinga and, um, and Patrick McHenry as well. So... So uh, they have, I think March, so to March 9th is that hearing, March 8th, they hmm. reached out to Gensler uh, asking, well, Gensler and the SEC, um, asking for communications between the SEC and FTX. Um, the deadline okay. for that, I believe, is March 8th. So whether they respond, I guess we'll see. So that'll be interesting as well. Hell yeah, that's, I, I would love to see that. Yeah, I'm kind of curious as to like what could come out of this, really, um, the intent to draft a new law or... Because from my understanding, there's re they're really limited into what they can actually do to modify Gensler's like behavior. <laughs> like, uh, right. it, yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, if um, I think it would be different if if the Republicans held the Senate and the House, and I think yeah. they would be able to to really force them to come in um, and testify. But because obviously the Democrats, which is Gary Gensler's party, they still um, have control over the Senate. They're not going to be going as hard 
they're not going to be working as hard to bring him in as maybe you know if the Republicans were in power that they they would do that. Um, yeah. And and yeah, it is. It's it's kind of crazy, right? It's like you know these powerful people who are lawmakers, um, you know, can't compel. I mean, I guess they can use subpoena power, but I've told there's a process for that, and yeah. um, it's not done very often. But but it's it's crazy that these people can't you know get just this one guy who's you know kind mm. of on a tyrannical rampage to come in and answer some questions but well what i what i think is interesting so like you know i, I think we've very you know we've we've painted uh, a pretty pretty frightening picture frankly um from from a lot of different <laughs> angles and you know and and you know but the i, I guess that there's any silver lining is that and, we, and i talked about this on across the chains last friday that with with coinbase launching base and just their general um you know position in the ecosystem and brian armstrong being both what seems like a great CEO and, and certainly an advocate massively for this space that we have people on our side, whether it's Coinbase or you know some folks in Congress. And Corval, you asked, you know, what 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 could be actually done here? And I think that he, he Brian Armstrong in this video sort of answers that question as to what Coinbase is expecting in Washington. Uh, it's about a minute long, so I'll just go ahead and click one. Uh, can't hear it. Yeah, I, I don't know if Wait, the sound's El, going. Ellie, can you not hear it either? I can't hear it, no. Oh, goodness gracious. I think <laughs> I can hear a window. Uh, but effectively, he's saying that, you know, so I, I'll, I'll get it fixed, but um, saying there's strong bipartisan support in Washington for, you know, the, the right kind of legislation and that Coinbase is actively in Washington right now um, you know, approaching the right folks to get that kind of stuff done. So, you know, it seems like we have certainly, uh, you know, some some people on our side that are, are, you know, have the really it's about money, right? You need to have the lawyers and the money to be able to get this stuff done, uh, and and the average person can't do that. And so that's that's sort of the the gist of the video. But you know, do you do you, do you, do either of you expect uh, sort of like the clout of a Coinbase to be enough to like sway? What happens in Washington? I'm not familiar enough with how things go in Washington to even, you know, have a true opinion for the viewers that would that would be valuable. Um, I, from my point of view, I feel like, like obviously Brian Armstrong is a great uh, CEO. He's he obviously cares about the industry. What's interesting is he's you know, Coinbase is a registered company with the SEC, um, so they do, you know, obviously they talk to them, they deal with them all the time. I wonder how much power, um, you know, what after what we saw with Sam and how he would lobby Congress or uh, lobby Washington, lobby regulators all the time, how much power one person or one company can have over, you know, the over the industry now that mm -hmm. you know we've seen what happened with FTX and SBF. I feel like regulators and maybe the lawmakers would be a little bit more um, cautious, but you know, Brian's obviously doing it for the right reasons, um, and I think you know. Uh, Coinbase is huge, right? They're the biggest, uh, they're the biggest exchange in the U.S. They definitely have some influence. Um, they have some great lawyers as well. So, I, I think um, it's a it's a great start for sure. Whether it will make you know a world of difference, I think we also need to hear. And I, I know you're going to bring this up next, um, Clay. But yeah, we also need to hear from the uh, investors as well, the everyday investors, because really that's who Coinbase is fighting for is for their customers, and and they in Congress and the regulators need to hear from the people using this technology every day because, you know, it's 
all well and good to have a hearing and listen to three academics talk about why blockchain is great or why blockchain is bad. But at the end of the day, you know, are they really using this technology? They're just, they're super smart and they're giving their opinion based on yeah. what they know. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, uh, it needs to be grassroots. And I think what you're about to bring up with uh, with Coinbase Crypto 435, uh, as well as the DCTA, the Digital Currency Traders Alliance, those two organizations, or Coinbase and DCTA are really pushing the boundaries of kind of being on the front lines of getting retail involved yeah, absolutely. Um, Corval, were you going to jump in there? You looked like you had. Oh, uh, no, not really. I, I You covered it. Like, I was just going to say, yeah, like uh, the constituencies are what's like important, right? If you want to get a law passed, is you really got to let your uh, like actual representatives know. Yeah. Like, like Coinbase is like a big company, right? And it, it, that is good. But we also don't like to think too much that like a big company can just straight up directly influence policy. It means a lot more to people if like you uh, show up to their little parties, political parties, like the events, and you meet the, the senator or whatever, and you say, hey, I really care about this. Well, Believe I think it or not, they actually do care. <laughs> they, I think they that's kind of what this is. You know, it says, you know, exactly. we need thoughtful policy. So that's kind of your point. Got yeah, it. this yeah. is the proper way forward, you know. You don't want it to be like the CEO of Coinbase, like meeting with Congress, and that's what convinces gotcha. them. You want it to be like he brings a big ass petition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I had a great Spaces call on Sunday with the founders of DCTA, and uh, I think Coinbase announced their initiative a couple of days after DCTA did. But basically, what they're both doing is teaching or encouraging in retail investors to uh, Coinbase go to that website, sign up, um, kind of get you get notifications on you know conversations in Washington, where regulation, any any news on the regulation front you get. Um, and then also for DCTA specifically, they teach you how to correctly lobby these representatives, whether it's congressmen or your state representatives, because they, they made the point on the call, and I think it was a great point. People, I think, the American public tends to think that their opinion doesn't really matter. And rightly so, right? Because the government's going to do what they do anyway. They're going to, you know, pass laws, whether or not, which they shouldn't, right? I mean, they should listen to their, their representatives, but I think history has kind of taught us that, you know, government will do what they want, but um, having your voice heard is so important. And I think people misunderstand that, misunderstand that they can get involved and they can make their voice heard. So what I like about DCTA and, and same with Coinbase is that they're they're encouraging people to reach out to their uh, representatives. And I think that is so important because, you know, that's who, that's what they do, right? That's what they get paid to be on the Hill for, listening to their constituents and making a difference for the people they represent. Yeah, for the people that elected them to be there. Exactly. That's for sure. I mean, look, I, I'm, uh, I am encouraged by the fact that Coinbase is a $14 billion market cap, com market cap company with uh, obviously probably a very good legal team, I would imagine, uh, who is representing us. And, and I feel like we need to do our part for the folks that watch this video now and watch it after uh, to, you know, to be a part of Crypto 435. And, and you do have to share actually a, a decent amount of information, your email, your phone number. Um, the bottom line is, if, if the SEC or anybody else wants to come after you anyway, I don't care how anon you think you are, they're going to figure out who you are. You got to file taxes. They're gonna, they, like, they already can link back your wallet address to, to most of what you do. So I would encourage people not to be discouraged by that fact. Uh, and I think as a call to action, like we need to, we need to come together as a community. We need to come together as a group uh, and, and, you know, stand up for, for this space because it's so important for the future 
And it's unfortunate that our government doesn't see the fact that we could be leaders in this space, tech, you know, from a technical perspective or from a technology perspective, excuse me. Uh, and so, yeah, so I just wanted to make people aware of, of, of Crypto 435 if you hadn't seen it from Coinbase, uh, as I think it's a pretty, pretty awesome and fantastic way for us to get involved um, and, you know, support the, the little man, support the, uh, the, the big cause. So uh, and little woman as well. Uh, and so, uh, Ellie, I, I, we've been here for a while and I know that you have things to do today. The one last thing I wanted to bring up with you, and it's a important one because frankly, like I've been, obviously we've all been waiting for Ripple verdict for you know years. Uh, but if it's classified as, an, as a security, that's that's very bad news for the space. It's very bad news for Ethereum, who also had an ICO in 2017. Like there's a lot of like rippling effects, no pun intended, uh, that come with something if this goes the wrong direction. So what is the latest? What are you hearing and what happens next? So, well, I, first of all, I can't believe we're in March already. It's March 2nd. And I woke up yesterday and was like, how the heck is it March already? <laughs> and um, I remember last year when we were, we were putting out articles about Ripple, we are kind of um, getting some action from the judge. You know, there was, there was a bunch of stuff that came out last year. And um, it all has culminated in this kind of uh, where we are now, which is we're just waiting for the judge to make a decision, right? Um, but I remember last year just being like, oh, well, you know, there's probably not going to be, and I was told this, people said there's probably not going to be a resolution or some kind of um, decision on summary judgment until at least March of next year. And I remember that felt like so far away. It's like, oh my God, but now we're in March. Um, so yeah, I've I've heard from several legal minds uh, that uh, involved with the case um, that probably by the end of this month, there will possibly be a decision from um, Judge Torres on the uh, summary judgment. So um, summary judgment basically is, you know, she decides whether the SEC has a case, you know, whether the SEC um, has the right to bring this case. If she agrees with them, then basically that's saying that they win, essentially. Um, if she says there's not enough evidence there, if this needs to go to trial, then we're going to be facing a lot more time with this lawsuit, um, probably a few more months. Um, but yeah, so it could be by the end of the month we'll see um the thing that i've been watching as well is the him and documents um so we know that ripple was able to see them we know the judge has seen them so everyone involved directly in the case um ripple's lawyers they've all seen those him and documents and rosalind layton who is a contributor for forbes and she's written a bunch of articles about the sec's oversight she has actually put in a motion to judge torres to have those emails uh, revealed to the public. Um, she says it's in the public interest um, that we see what's in those emails. So, and, and then she was also endorsed by um, Empower Oversight Group, which is the, uh, the advocacy group. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, I think, you know, whether the judge decides yes or no, um, we could find out in the next few weeks. Um, I think everybody will be very interested to see what's in those uh, emails, just because, you know, there's been so much hype about them, right? Like Bill Hinman, you know, was he complicit in this whole thing? Was he not, you know, who was thinking what at the time? And um, I think it will go a long way just to helping uh, investors and people understand the inner workings of the SEC, right? And, and how they came to the conclusion that they did. But I think the SEC wants to stop that at all costs. So it will be interesting. It's, it's in the hands of the judge, both the summary judgment and the Hinman emails. Um, so the next few weeks we'll see. Um, it would be great Exciting. if we could get some kind of positive outcome. Um, yeah, we, 
we could yeah. use it right yeah been- yeah absolutely and i think and you know and i have been hearing from people um not you know people close to the case or anything like that but just people who are in the industry and have seen everything going on with the sec in the last couple months they say you know how can ripple win you know i i just don't they say i don't see ripple winning in this crazy clamp down of the sec but at the end of the day it's not the sec's decision right it's, it's the judge's judge decision. she's the right. judge and you know she's already criticized the sec for being you know i think she said this it wasn't dishonest it was um you know something something scathing um you know acting in their own interests acting you know in bad faith uh yeah. with the way they've been arguing the case so i think you know from her perspective she's a little bit annoyed so you know you would hope that she's uh she's seeing sense in all this and yeah i think i, think I remember like because they they didn't want the the henman emails you know un like unclassified or un, you know revealed or unsealed unsealed, I don't know, yeah. unsealed thank you uh, but they also wanted to use them as evidence against Ripple. So, like, they were playing both both sides of the fence. And I think the the judge took, uh, yeah. you know, took uh, a degree well, they of completely like changed their timeline, didn't they? They said, uh, yeah. you know, like uh, this was the reason that um, we want them to be under wraps. And then they said, well, actually, then they just changed their mind completely. It was just this whole thing. And I remember just everybody, especially on crypto Twitter, just saying, you know, how can you be so, you know, like. Fickle, like you said one thing last month just to suit your own case, and now you're saying something different. So there's yep. definitely some interesting tactics here going on. Um, yeah. All we'll right. See. But let's hope for a good outcome. Um, and that's you're right. The space could certainly use some good news right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's <laughs> such a that's that. There's so much impact behind the 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 final verdict of that judge's decision that we we really really need to you know hope that that it goes the right way. So. Uh, well, we've covered a ton of ground. Ellie, you are awesome. Thank you so much for, oh, for coming on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, anytime you want me back, I'll be happy to. All right. Well, we're going to, so. uh, Emmett, uh, so we'll just drop you out there and uh, and you should be good to go. But thank you. Thank you again. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. Bye. Wow. So much stuff going on in the world, bro. Yeah. <laughs> It's so much stuff going on in, in on Capitol Hill, bro. It's uh, it is fascinating that like that's someone's pure, you know, like like that's her whole job is like literally to like chase down the SEC and get information and uh, and you know, I guess that's journalism, you know, I'm just yeah. describing, but it's just it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's journalism, dude. Trying to talk to people that do not want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get them to tell um, you things they do not want to tell you. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, you know, but. Seriously, like I, I, I would like to try to do my part in whatever Coinbase, uh, you know, initiatives or otherwise, because I think it's, uh, it's super important. So uh, let's let's carry it on, my friend. Um, we've got two topics that we're gonna kind of run through today that I think are both pretty cool and uh, and pretty new. And so there's always big things that come out at ETH Denver. Uh, we were supposed to be there. I wish that we were, and we did not get a chance to go, and uh, it's unfortunate, but. We have, you know, basically heard from lots of folks that are there, uh, and there was a big announcement for Ethereum EIP four three three seven. So account abstraction uh, or smart, you know, basically, we need to come up with better terms that everyone's going to understand. But the one that I read in the article was was smart accounts uh, have been effectively, uh, you know, released uh, as far as EIP four three three seven. Uh, as an Ethereum proposal that enables accounts to be abstracted from the blockchain. And there's a bunch of use cases that make this really, really cool. Uh, and account abstraction seems to be the 
um, the next wave of what's going to make this this ecosystem, this industry much easier to use for everyone who doesn't know about private keys and everything else. So uh, what do you what do you have on this, dude? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm not a, a technical genius here, but it's pretty cool how this was implemented because this is like a, just like an additional contract. The CIP is just like a standard, right? A smart contract standard. Um, but it allows it pretty much on anything. This will facilitate account abstraction on anything that runs the EVM, um, which is pretty tight, dude. Uh, I kind of am looking forward to seeing this. The only two implementations that I know about it already, uh, I saw an article about Safe, which is like a Gnosis spinoff that is going to facilitate that allows like account abstraction. And I know Starknet uh, has it like baked in too. Yep. But yeah, I think this is gonna be pretty huge because it allows like a lot of stuff from what I could tell. Um, not just like easier like account recovery, like you can give like essentially like four or five people like the ability to like essentially like return the wallet's access to you if you forget like your key or whatever. But like also like other kinds of um like just like weird shit, the kind of shit you could do with like a bank account, like you'd have like a cosigner or whatever, be like the gas fees are paid by this other account on this, or I pay gas in Doge as opposed to ETH. Right. Whatever. That's, it's pretty yeah, sick, dude. It, it really is. I mean, this like this, this one sentence, new, you, uh, new users no longer need to learn about complicated seed phrases or technical processes of setting up a wallet to onboard in decentralized world of crypto. Like that is, I mean, like, let's be honest, that's the number one blocker uh that i see all the time like when when we're in a bull run and your friends want to get in you get phone calls every day saying hey help me uh like i'm trying to get my money out of coinbase to metamask like how do i get things over to avalanche or to phantom or to arbitrum or whatever uh and you know i think account abstraction is going to go a long way in helping normal people get into this space let's yeah. see what comments we got here because we got Wait. Dude, yeah, this is like basically what I said. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Buse is saying like a, the a way really smart way here. Basically, an external mempool that bundles transactions and shoots them off for people via the smart contract. Uh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Account abstraction is the future hot stuff. I don't want to talk about Soul, but I think that there's this dev called armani who built x back at nft which is a wallet based on account abstraction so yeah i mean there's look there's use cases that are already being used like i know it was announced but uh this so this is probably the biggest thread that's going around twitter right now uh re relating to eip 4337 uh so basically it enables any authentication logic not just private keys i'm assuming that you know and you know in the comments correct me if i'm wrong here but my, my assumption is that like you can probably build front ends that are, you know, abstract outside of the blockchain that don't require, you know, a wallet to, to, to access like, you know, maybe, maybe an email or maybe, you know, something of the, you know, along those lines in terms of account abstraction like that, that would be a game changer if that's what, you know, DeFi protocols are able to, uh, to do moving forward, gases, transactions, bundled transactions, Bebus commented on there. Um, but, you know, basically John says this is a, this is a huge step change uh in how users interact with blockchain and they don't need to understand uh how blockchains work just to use it safely so um that to me is an enormous step forward for the space and you know the fact that it's you know evm friendly probably means that this isn't just an ethereum thing because that was that was one of my initial thoughts when i saw the uh, eip it was like is this going to put ethereum leagues ahead uh of all the other blockchains but that certainly doesn't seem to be the case since it's smart contract based yeah i think um 
I think they said like they're planning on eventually like putting it in directly into like the underlying Ethereum software, like straight up. But um, yeah, one of the like the like the sales pitches I saw like associated I think with Safe was that it's like making a Web two experience, accessing Web three with a Web two experience or something like right. like. That's kind of where we're going with this uh, in terms of like narrative shift, but it's like the similar thing like of uh, rounding those sharp corners in crypto, like to make it like a nice family friendly thing to use. Uh, I think we need a lot more stuff like this, <laughs> I, <laughs> like I, an ass load more, but yeah. we're it's a huge step forward, like just John Rising is saying here. Yeah, so you can, you can uh, just have an enterprise wallet that that every user's TX is routed through. So yeah, so it's an absolutely massive step forward. Um, I'm going to be super fascinated to see how you know how different DeFi protocols implement it. Uh, he goes he goes on to say that uh, and uh, um, that they are planning to deploy it. So it's permissionless. We deployed it on Polygon and have plans to deploy our infrastructure on every EVM that we can get our hands on. So uh, clearly they're going to be using it, and uh, it's exciting times. Really, like you know, since you know I, I've been here since 2017. People have been, you know, some people have been here since 2013. Uh, it's taken 10 years to like get to the point where we actually start thinking about functionality uh, for the masses, and so it's 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 very exciting that we are now at this point where it's you know it's coming true. So definitely something to watch. I know you know for the folks that are big on Phantom, uh, Andre Cronier's put out you know similar articles about Phantom implementing account abstraction uh, and feeless transactions and being able to use other currencies besides or other tokens besides just phantom for gas things like that so a uh, ton of use cases and a really bright future ahead cool all right uh you yeah. want to talk silvergate <laughs> um yeah i, I actually just want to hear what you why why you say it's not a big deal like because you when we talked about this you were just like man it's fucking nothing <laughs> It's a nothing burger. It means nothing. I, I I mean, I wouldn't say it means nothing, but like, all right. So for me personally, on a personal level to the 35 of you who are watching right now, uh, if you wouldn't mind, hit the like button. That's a, that's a personal request. But my personal feeling on this show is that I want to have us try to cancel the noise, like separate the fact from the fiction, because there's so much FUD and, and, and stuff that circulates that gets picked up by the media. Uh, and by you know, crypto Twitter influencers and blah blah blah, and some of it's super impactful and some of it's not. And so my hope is that this show actually breaks down why we think it is or is not. And so that's what I'm going to do here. But like you can see, like the headline of this Yahoo Finance article this morning: Silvergate's big crypto uh, losses feed watchdogs worse fears. Like clearly, like you know, stoking the fire that this is a you know, uh, you know, another huge drama within the space. And and while it is definitely unfortunate and it's not a good thing by any means, um, this has been going on for you know since January of this year. And so you know, I think that to to sensationalize it like this is an overreaction. And then you know, actually, the tweet I'm about to show you, like I I like the the work that Adam Cochran does. Um, it's nothing against him, but like, you know, this was a few days ago or yesterday, you put this out. Silvergate's death spiral is going to be rough for crypto. I don't think retail realizes how much money uh, the market makers move through via SEN, you know, yada, 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 right? So my personal opinion on this, and, and, and I'll back it by facts, is that this is this is not a good take. And it actually just, it's, you know, it creates kind ass. of... What's that? 
Get his ass, bro. Fuck him up. <laughs> it's it's not it's nothing against Adam at all. It's 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 personally just like not a good take. So basically, Silvergate was the biggest domestic crypto bank uh, in the space, and they are publicly traded. We could see their financials, uh, and going back to to you know sort of January, um, you know this isn't a new thing. So they had so basically what happens. The FTX debacle went down. They had a massive bank run, about $8 billion bank run, uh, and 68% of their assets on hand were wiped in that bank run. Um, and so this is going back to like January. And so, you know, this again, like this isn't a new situation, right? So, but there's a couple of fa fascinating points in it. And then I'll say why I think it's a nothing burger. Uh, and so, you know, basically, this was a Wall Street Journal article that that put out when they lost the 8.1 billion or 60% of the total deposits at the end of September of, of last year. By the way, so in 1938, the Federal Reserve put out a study that in the uh, the Great Depression, effectively, um, the average deposit decline was 38% of of like you know nine banks that that went under ma nine major banks. Um, uh, Silvergate had a, a 60% decline in one quarter of their deposits. So think about like the magnitude of, of how drastic that was for Silvergate as a company, um, you know, pretty, pretty massive. So to me, I just thought that was like incredibly interesting to compare uh, the collapses. And so my point is the writing was on the wall. Like if you, if you, if you saw this, you know, back then, like there's been a, this, this isn't new. There's been a massive amount of time for institutions to prepare for this. <clears throat> Go ahead. You got a question. Uh, no, I was clearing my voice, my throat. Oh. Uh, but I mean, I guess I could say, Chewy, that's right. Everything in crypto is a nothing burger, except for all the things that make me money, dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but um, yeah, I mean, so what you're saying is like they were already dead. Like, yes. Like it's already been over. It's Silver been over. Been over. Dude, this is nothing now. In January, Omawai was Shindaru, dude. After this happened in January, Silvergate's market cap as a publicly traded company fell to $340 million. Like on Steph Springs up a good point though. Do, do they hold any stable coin reserves? So we're gonna I'll get into that as part of the uh the backing Genius up clay. Of, of why this is a nothing burger. Uh at, at least at this juncture. At the time it did not seem that way. Um, and I'm sure there was a lot of people scrambling. And to your point, John, yes. Uh, uh, Circle and USDC um, was, you know, a lot of it in terms of deposits was routed through Silvergate, so it was a big deal back then. But we've already sort of been through this, is is my point. And so here's three examples. Uh, this is in November of last year. The FUD about Silvergate and risk for USDC, USDC Silvergate is one of more than ten banks that we work with globally. We hold a small portion of USDC cash reserves with Silvergate to support settlement with their customers. Fine. So like that, you know, we can kind of check that off the list. Let's keep moving down. Paxos comes out yesterday or today, this morning. Uh, on You know, Paxos does not have any material exposure to Silvergate. Paxos priority has always been the protection of its customers, funds, assets, etc. Cool. And then Coinbase, and this was also yesterday, Coinbase jump ship from Silvergate moves prime customers to Signature. So they've found a new bank. And so you know the writing has been on the wall. They've had you know since November when the you know the collapse, you know really started happening in terms of their stock. Uh, all of these companies had contingency plans and they've been planning ahead for this. And frankly, the nail in the coffin came a long time ago. Uh, I think for uh, for Silvergate when they had to you know liquidate you know what was effectively nine years of profits 
uh, in the form of government treasuries that they had been buying to back up as as their collateral reserves for their assets. So they lost nine years of profits like overnight. Uh, and so when that kind of shit happens with a publicly traded company, like good luck. It's it's uh, you're, you're probably uh, NGMI not going to make it. And so Damn. you know, I, I I personally believe so. Like all right, so I'll I'll take a step off my soapbox. But what I will say is, my personal opinion on this is that this is not a stake through the heart of crypto by any means. It's actually like if we look in in the rearview mirror, to me, it's actually more of a bottom signal than it is anything else. Like. Wait, I got one last point. What if they got loans they want to call back, like that second tweet in the Adam Cochran thread? Like, uh, what was it? I got it right here. What I'll if they come for Sailor's Bitcoin? Where is that? Whoever buys the debt can decide if they call the Sailor loans. Like, do we know what debts Silvergate owns? Uh, no, but they are, you know, all of their filings are public, so we can certainly find out. Ooh, all right, we'll do that on a part two, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we'll, we can do that tomorrow. Or uh, I guess it wouldn't be tomorrow because it's across the chains, but maybe it could be. And I'll bring it up on across the chains. I'll hop in on across the chains for five minutes just to bring it up. Yeah. So, out. I mean, I, I guess my point That's is like, I feel like the, the, the collateral damage of FTX was already felt and, and this was imminent and it was predictable. And most of the big players in the space had a contingency plan, as you could see. And so for me, the you know the January fall like the the like when everything fell apart in January like that was part of the collateral damage that we saw you know later on in the market and so yeah it just it just helps at least make me believe that the the bottom is in holistically for crypto that's that's my opinion I hope the bottom's in I hope the bottom's in but I was thinking about it today and I was thinking uh. What if it just goes on crab for another year, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, it's entirely possible. Look, like the the two year Treasury yields if, at at thirty year highs at five percent is not a good thing. In I was going to buy some T bills, dude. Are you, are you got an account on Treasury Direct? I I don't. Yeah, you should look into it. I was gonna I was gonna buy some T bills after the next uh, raise, the next interest hike. Uh. I love John's comment. I can hear Nick's voice on on second and third order effects. And frankly, maybe we should talk about this on Cross the Chains because uh, if you do dig in and find out there's a bunch of debt that can be um, purchased, then maybe it's a different conversation. But uh, yeah, so like, why? Like, out of curiosity, since you've you've brought up uh, buying treasuries, like when you can be in DeFi and make even sixteen you percent know, on stables, why would you why would you buy treasury bills at five percent? You know. It's uh, what do you call that? I guess it's diversification. Yeah, right. Oh, there might there might come a time where I wanted to sell out a T bill so I could buy I don't know like ice cream or whatever, but I don't want to touch <laughs> my DeFi stuff. I mean, I guess in terms of market risk, um, well, yeah, I guess you could argue that uh, our fiat system isn't isn't doing too much better than uh, UST Luna, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, bro, um, I mean, I'd love to acquire some, you know you want as well <laughs> why not <laughs> whatever diversify dude buy some different assets clay get some get some cron some norwegian cron or whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah man i'm not i'm not a uh a tri triangular arbitrage currency trader so i don't i don't i can't i can't speak intelligently to the space holy shit yeah um, but uh yeah so i i mean to me the silver thing is is a dead issue uh but i guess you know 
I've I've certainly been wrong in my life as many times as I've been right, probably. So I guess we'll see. But there's a lot of there's a lot of things to point to that say like this is being overhyped. Iron Bank. I saw something about this. Uh, we have not actually. We're gonna do that tomorrow. Uh, Floyd, Floyd, Floydify, Floydify. We're gonna we're gonna cover that tomorrow uh, on Across the Chains, actually. Um, so you know, if you've got, oh wait, save it for later for Across the Chains. You already said it. Boom, dude. Yep, you nailed it. Uh, that is the plan. Do you hear my keyboard clacking? Click. No, right. I can't. Oh, it's like very loud. I was sending a message. I was like to Mike. I was like, "Put Iron Bank on, dude." I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, it was already sent by Emmett, actually. Uh, oh, good, good. In one of the chats, but uh, guys, we're so we're, we're tossing around an idea, and, and you know, since we're already at the hour mark, we're probably going to wrap up here in just a second because these are these are getting increasingly longer in terms of uh, show length, and it's a daily show, so we're trying to keep it, you know, 35, 40 minutes. But nevertheless, tossing around an idea about uh, doing this on Twitter Spaces and on YouTube. And then actually hopping over to Twitter Spaces after the show uh, to chat with folks that want to chat further. Like if you've got your own thoughts, if there's stuff you want to bring up, um, you know, let us know in the comments whether you think that'd be a cool thing to do. Uh, and if you think that you would be interested in, in hanging out with us and, and having conversations about other things or this or whatever, uh, you know, just that's that's sort of the point. So let us know if you think that would be something you'd like because uh, we're, we're very much considering it uh, as, a, as a cool way to like Get to know people better. So let us know. Corval. Uh, sorry, I was just so like I was like checking out like their chat. I have two tabs open here. I've got our YouTube open and then like our streaming thing open. And I was just so taken aback. Glad Nick is back. I'm assuming that's what he's saying. Glad Nick is back. I'll have something to look at. Come on, man. <laughs> Not a no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I kind of want to do the Twitter space thing. So I want to chat with our chat some more. I think it's pretty fun. Um, yeah, if they're, if they're open to it, uh, we could probably just give it a try anyway. But yeah, thanks for coming out, guys. I think this is the end of the show. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I saw earlier in the comments, uh, Megan Noob TV asked what we covered. So we had uh, Ellie Tarrant on Fox News, or Fox Business, excuse me. Uh, and she basically covered everything that's going on with the SEC, the CFTC, uh, the regulation in Washington, expectations with Gary Gensler, uh, the potential outcome of the Ripple case, and more. So if you didn't get a chance to catch it, uh, she's on the ground. She's literally in the trenches writing about it, researching, getting the information from the actual folks uh, in Washington. So uh, fascinating discussion. It's always great to get an insider's view and learn more as we can. So, yeah, man, I think we're uh, we're good to go, buddy. All right. Well, thanks for coming out, guys. Like, <laughs> subscribe, retweet, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell us about, tell them about us. That's 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 right. What what he said. As as Corval said, we're live Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at noon. Uh, we got to cross the chains tomorrow. Um, yeah, we appreciate it. If you you know, hype up the show if you like it. Let let other folks know. Uh, you know, hit the like button and subscribe. And we will catch you tomorrow at noon Eastern for Across the Chains. The whole crew will be there. And uh, we look forward to seeing you as well. So have a great Thursday. We'll talk to, you, talk to you then.